Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Hey, sorry, I was I was busy arguing with people on the internet. <laughs> nice. I, after all this time, you you really would have thought that you'd learn not to do that. <laughs> I usually don't, but I couldn't resist. It's better than working, right? Is it though? Is it? <laughs> like... Yeah, that's that's a good question. Yep, that's what I was doing. <laughs> now I feel like I have to check Twitter just to see what happens. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Did you hear me typing? That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, someone tweeted these days. I feel like Elixir is the Elixir community is just focused on code formatting and blog posts about how to use Ecto. Thumbs down. Hmm. And ouch. That's not true. I responded like literally the posts from the most recent. The most recent posts on the Elixir forum are about like machine learning, virtual actors, gen stage and flow. So anyway, I had to respond. <laughs> no, and I and I just got like it, it's so. I just got like the. They mentioned the Elixir link, so. Yeah, like the the Elixir Raider. Like I just got it, and I was going through the links, and it was like. All, like two or three about distributed systems so it's like that's not accurate at all let me see <laughs> yeah totally you're much better than i am i would have responded like but look how pretty our code looks with the new format <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like one is about distributed transactions the other was introducing horde which is a distributed supervisor the other is about deployment so it's like not accurate at all by like the latest things in the community is like if you look at it there is not a single but anyway well thank you both for making the time this is awesome thank you for having us on the show that's pretty pretty uh pretty neat i was talking to somebody this morning and they oh it was actually chris and anna my, my day's gone <laughs> i have no idea what's going on and they they asked me if i i had i i said that i i had not much to say today and I said, well, do you, are you having hero problems since you guys are coming on? And I said, no, I'm having what the hell have I been doing for the last week problems. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on in the world. It's only too Wednesday. Many, too many busy things. No, wait, it's Thursday. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> exactly. I had that same problem this morning. So, Chris. Wait, we're going to have to clarify which, 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 which Chris is. <laughs> Chris, Keithley. I'm just going to call you Keithley this episode. I know you had lots of thoughts on things. Well, I'm actually I'm actually glad that y'all brought up uh, the formatter because I've got some questions. All right, <laughs> I've got some opinions. Uh oh. <laughs> it's on my list. I have a whole list here. I mean, I can actually go down the list here, and I'll like this is really y'all's show. You know, I want we we wanted to ha uh, have y'all on so you could talk about things that are relevant to you. But before we get to that, um, <laughs> we're gonna time box Keith. Yeah. So you will get time. Uh, I got a list here um, of just different things. They're just picked, you know, just just randomly. Uh, and I wanted to see, uh, get y'all's uh, thoughts on them. So first of all, it's, um, I mean, just generally, uh, I think we should talk about how Elixir is reinventing things in, from Erlang. We should talk about the application directory structure. We should talk about how Phoenix moved the web directory. Phoenix context generally. Uh, the formatter, stream data, config. Um, we have an hour. We have an hour. Yeah, I mean, these are just these are just <laughs> topics that I just randomly selected, um, and hopefully, just to get you know, 
Just you, you, it's really your show. You pick where you want to dive in. Uh. <laughs> Did I miss well, any? I don't think I've missed any controversial topics, right? I think these, this is really the high points of all controversial I, topics. I think so. <laughs> oh, should we? Sure. All right, well, we can, we can say we're officially starting. So everyone's recording. So I guess, um, let's see, we have Chris and Anna and me and Chris too <laughs> and Jose. We're all here. <laughs> yes. My suggestion is that we we call one Chris and the other the other Chris, but we use those terms interchangeably. So <laughs> it's going to be like really, really Perfect. productive Perfect. and not It'll confusing at all. Yeah, exactly. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> oh, so we have opposite sides of the world here today, almost. San Francisco, Poland. Oh yeah, what what time is in San Francisco so. right now? Uh, eight forty, eight thirty-eight. Okay, morning. yeah, here is five thirty-eight, so almost yeah. there. Eight by two hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, three hours. And, and we My know math's Keithley not has a sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and we know that Keithley has a big list of of things to talk about. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, or Jose and Chris, uh, I mean, we're so happy that you're on the show. I mean, if you, anywhere that you want to dive in, like Keithley mentions, just whatever you all want to kind of discuss or have a chance to talk about. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things to talk about. There are a lot of things uh, happening right now that we will be glad to share. I mean, everything happens publicly, so um, it's everything's out there, but coming in the shows yeah. and talking about can help us explain things differently so i will start with chris uh, because i'm keeping tabs on him so uh <laughs> so we are supposedly working on the phoenix programming phoenix book right and uh, we are updating to the version 1.4 of the phoenix framework which is still has to be released but we are working on that um also, what is happening on that side, we have uh, Mihal Muskawa. So just a list of things that we are doing and then we can expand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have, so Mihal Muskawa, he joined the Elixir team at the beginning, the Elixir core team at the beginning of this year. And he's, ha he's working on this project called uh, Fire Nest. Um, that, so a brief introduction. So Fire Nest was, so Chris did this amaz amazing job with Phoenix PubSub and then with Phoenix Presence. And then when we, we look at those things, we said like, hey, we can actually generalize those abstractions. And instead of being something that works for the, uh, like for the specific use case of the web, it can be a general abstraction that we can use for building distributed systems. So uh, Michal, he's the one that is pushing this idea forward. Uh, he's working with Mozilla. Mozilla is actually funding uh, Michal to work on this project and uh, get those abstractions and, um, and make them more general. So uh, what was really nice was that, so at, at the Elixir conference, Europe keynote that Chris did, he said like, it would be really nice if we could implement like a distributed rate limiter where you have all the nodes like counting the API requests that they are coming, but the data would be replicated between the nodes. And just yesterday we were like, actually make it work like with the abstraction that we have and it was well like nice. 10 to 15 lines of code something like that right chris yeah it was like a shockingly small amount um but yeah jose is very nice because he said that 
the amazing work that I did. And so, so like a common theme throughout uh, Phoenix is like, I will go like a top down approach where like I have something to solve and I will solve it. And then Jose will look at it and say like, oh, we, you actually built like six separate things, Chris. Um, but it works really well. So yeah, so like Fire Nest is a rewrite of like all the interesting things that I've worked on, but in a good way. So like, you know, presence in PubSub end up having a lot of uh, piece, big pieces in there that could be made smaller. And then it's just really neat to see other work that Mihal has been doing, I, I, as I said, just yesterday, just by breaking presence down into like a, a replicated state uh, is what we're calling it right now. Uh, just by breaking that down, suddenly this hard problem that I talked about just uh, a couple months ago at ElectroConf EU uh, was solved. Uh, just using uh, the these small pieces of of you know the same thing that I had just uh, written in presence. So it's been it's been neat seeing how these interactions play out. And usually yeah, it's, so. it's me going top down and, and not designing, thinking in smaller pieces, but accomplishing my goals of the time. Yeah, so if anybody wants to check it out, it's uh, the FireNest project that is in the Phoenix Framework organization, and it's a pull request, so anybody can go check it out, uh, drop some comments. Uh, Michal, he did actually a very good job also of uh, documenting the API, so he's doing the uh, DDD, right, documentation-driven design, mm -hmm. so he's <laughs> writing all the documentation up front so you can actually see the, the, the APIs that we expect it to work, so that's really nice. And I am personally, so that's like things that I'm involved, but not mm -hmm. uh, directly. Oh, there's other things that are happening right now, which is the Google Storm of Code. Um, Elixir, we actually have like five Elixir related projects happening. And we can go over those. I am personally the mentor uh, of a project that aims to add uh, TensorFlow bindings to Elixir. And it has been like really exciting because I'm learning a lot and the student is like very productive and he's being able so you know like i don't have any knowledge of that domain so i think it's working really well because he has the knowledge on that domain and i'm bringing the elixir knowledge and we are building something he just released a, a blog post um that you can see so if you go in the elixir forum and search for tensorflex you're going to find the, the blog post so, which is basically, so with TensorFlow, you still need to train the models in Python mm -hmm. because that's where all the tooling is. But after you train the model, you can now load that model uh, into Elixir land and, uh, and then you can query against that model and do predictions and this kind of stuff. So that's really nice. And I'm, lately I'm personally working on Ecto-3. So um, I thought Ecto-2 was going to be my latest. Uh, my dreams did not come true. <laughs> So Acto 3 is my last attempt at a latest major version. And, um, and yeah, and, and it's really interesting, right? Like, because like, so for example, Acto, we are going to the third version, even though it's older than Phoenix and things is still like solid at 1.3, 1.4. And it's funny, like, because I guess by being closer to where your domain logic actually is, there is more demands for that thing to evolve and be better. So, um, yeah, we are working on Ecto-3. There's a lot to talk about there, and we can explore this as well. Uh, but that's it. I guess it's kind of like my update. Oh, and there is also uh, Elixir Conf, right? Uh, Chris and I yes. will be keynoting. So I am... My keynotes, they're usually just writing a, uh, my, <laughs> my thought process down and putting in a presentation. <laughs> usually all those things, they have been decided up front, right? Which is good because we don't want, like, 
somebody to go and say about the next years of the language and this is what I thought out like next week right that would not be a good <laughs> sign at all like you know I really thought about this for this presentation but there's you know I, I think like um, so it, it's so Chris, uh, Chris Kifley who was saying joking right about the list of things that he wants to go through right <laughs> but I think one of those things that we are seeing is exactly so, so some people they are having some expectations or sometimes even some demands of where they want elixir to go or what they want elixir to be mm -hmm. and i have like kind of like the opposite thought of that like uh, so one of the things that we always say is that elixir is extensible so everybody can get elixir and bring to their own domain so you know like nobody should be expecting like us to be getting elixir and make it bigger and bigger because the goal is exactly to be a small language that everybody can build on top right mm -hmm. so my so everybody's something like oh elixir could could uh be better at this and then i'm just like go ahead and make it happen right just make that thing be because our goal is to enable we want to enable you to do things our goal is not necessarily to provide everything of course we provide uh, a bunch of stuff especially in the tooling department right but um with everything else we, we need to enable right so mm -hmm. so every time somebody says alex you should do this better so i went ahead and did it and i'm like Yes, that's exactly the point, right? Uh, <laughs> mission accomplished from my perspective. <laughs> All right, so that was way longer than I expected. Uh, I'm over and out. <laughs> so, I, I you, you know, you mentioned ElixirConf and and you and Chris both giving keynotes there, and that's one of the things that uh, I just wanted to thank you guys for is both of you have a way of showing your thought processes and what you're going through and even when i think in the community there's been a little bit of controversy uh or somebody not understanding your reasoning you seem to be very patient in in trying to explain why you're making the decisions you're making um and michao has even reached out a few times and tried to talk through some of the decisions that have happened in the community and why they're being made the way that they are, even if people aren't aren't seeing that or are disagreeing with it, and and really bringing to light like, oh, this is why that was the best decision with everybody's information, and you know, us we're being language users, um, especially for like the Elixir core team, is being a language user, the problems that we see in the language on our individual projects may not see the, the bigger picture of what's going on. And I think that you guys both are, are able to um, kind of give that bigger picture back. And it's it's been really exciting and, and helpful in the community, I think. So thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh man, so I have- so Chris, <coughs> do you have, not wrong Chris, but that's okay, you can go. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Were you gonna say something, Keith I was just going to ask Chris, so so um, Jose had, had listed off some of the, the things that he was talking about. I didn't know if there was anything with that Chris uh, McCourt here. Maybe we'll, I'll just say full names. Um, wanted to add to that list that maybe we should should talk about too. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add that I think Jose used the word uh, supposedly working on the book. Yeah, so the, the book, I only touched on that briefly. So the, the book is my main focus right now, but it's taken like way longer than expected to get out. Um, and books are hard. So usually it's 
I mean, the biggest reason is like we've kind of been in this lockstep release of like Phoenix and the book, which we're trying to get away from. And uh, Jose warned me about this uh, even before we started the book. That never write a book about something that you created. Um, so yeah, so now every time we change the framework, we have to change the book. So uh, we are trying to put some effort into future proofing the book as much as possible. Um, and I've also just had other obligations. Uh, so the book's taking longer than expected, but it is my uh, main focus right now. So I think outside of that, there's some um, exciting features I'm playing with just very recently uh, that I hope to talk about at the conference. Um, it's still too early to really talk much about, but um, I mean, when I created Phoenix out of the desire to build like trivial real-time applications. And uh, so I was doing that in Ruby and Rails and I went off and created Phoenix to accomplish that. So I kind of uh, want to come full circle and kind of realize my initial vision. Like we have channels, this uh, great real-time layer. I want to see uh, what can we build on top of that uh, to make um, a lots of uh, real-time use cases even easier than they are today. Does that play into the sort of like, like all the work with, with FireNest or are there, I know you don't, you want to like, you're not ready to like tease this too much, right? But um, is that more like kind of the direction that you're going uh, with making those things even easier to sort of like pick up and adopt by people? Yeah, so FireNest is actually kind of in a different class. Um, <laughs> FireNest is to enable people to build, um, to tackle the distributed systems problem. Um, and this feature I'm talking about is to build like uh, real-time applications from the um, web front-end perspective. Uh, so basically, can I have a real-time application without bringing in, you know, 10 megabytes of JavaScript and mm -hmm. having a single-page framework off the shelf? Because uh, you know, Phoenix Channels enables a, uh, I, I would say, trigger real-time communication, but you still have to write a ton of JavaScript. So I think there's a large class of applications that um, you want some rich interactive features, but not have to then, you know, throughout your entire um, standard web flow, write a bunch of client side code just to, you know, get some real time updates. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, so man, I have so many questions about, about all the things that y'all yeah. are working on. <laughs> I'm not actually all right. like, totally sure yeah, where to yeah, dive yeah. in. Let Let's do this. Let's talk about. Um, I, I'd actually uh, like like to talk about uh, Ecto three. Like, what do you what do you think? Um, mm -hmm. So, what are the what are the big things that you're wanting to do with with Ecto three that's different from Ecto two? Like, is that from the just like input from the community or thing like deficiencies that y'all have seen or or you know? So so initially, and this is usually how I approach major releases. I don't want. So a lot of people use major release as an exchange, as sorry, as an excuse to break everything. <laughs> I don't like doing that. Uh, so I want to keep uh, the breaking changes to a minimum. So, the, so although there are some plans, so one is, and it's usually if we are removing something, it's something that has been deprecated in the past. So when Acto, so Acto was like one of the, it's probably like the oldest, one of the oldest Elixir projects. So uh, obviously when it started, uh, Elixir, we did not have the routine uh, date, uh, data type, date calendar mm -hmm. types. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have deprecated and uh, eventually we upgraded right to Elixir 1.3, which introduced those, those calendar types. So we've deprecated the old ones. So we are now removing uh, this deprecated code. That was like the initial rationale for doing the 3.0. 
right? So mm-hmm. even for we were removing a deprecated feature, it can break people's code. So um, there is that. But there are a bunch of um, so and everybody can check the change log. I will even open here so just to take a look at uh, mm-hmm. what what is really coming. But everything is already documented in the change log. So. Um, yeah, so that was the, the original motivation. But there are other like really nice features coming uh, with it as well. So one of the things that in Ecto, when you had to compose queries and those queries had joins and this kind of stuff, the bindings, they were always positional. So that made it really hard for you to compose like complex queries. But now you're introducing name it binding. So you can say like, you know, I want to select something that I joined at some point and had this particular name. So this was a very requested feature like for a long, long time. And now we figure out how to do it. Uh, there was like another really nice feature and it was a contribution was that now we lock the migrations table when you're running migrations. So previously, if we started two nodes and were migration two nodes, they could race each other. Uh, but now you're, just one node can run the migration. So this is really great because awesome. you don't have to worry about those things. And you know, there's a lot of like, small improvements on the, the query part that uh, maybe you're never going to use it, maybe never heard of it, but sometimes, you know, it can be really handy. So I actually did not even know many of those things. So for example, on order by, you can say like order by ask, and then you can pass things like knows, knows if they should come last or first. So now these things, they are support out of the box. And um, yeah, there there is a bunch of stuff. I really would look at the change log. Oh, and there is one. And there is one. So I said about the data, the, the the calendar types. That's going to be a breaking change. But another breaking change is that we are finally breaking Ecto apart. So so this was requested a lot as well. So people are like, oh, we want to use change sets without uh without using Ecto. Can we take change sets out of Ecto? And we're like, this is really, really hard because um, I, I completely understand why people want to do this. But if we do this, what probably is going to end up happen, happening is that we would need to break like the change set API over like two or three, four different modules, right? So because if you go to the change set module, it, it has like uh, things that help, that are useful in terms of database constraints, which is obviously a database specific concern. It has things to help with associations. So we can't like just say, um, I, want to, I want to break those things out, right? We, we just can't do that. If we did that, what would happen is that uh, somebody who is new and they want to start using Acto, now if they want to do anything, they need to look at a bunch of different places to try to find what does what. And Acto is already like, it already has a, a learning curve because you need to learn what is a repository, what is a query, what is a change set, and when you use those kind of things. So you don't want to do that. And um, so, you know, so people are asking, we should break it apart. And then we could not find a way to break it apart. So it was, so we were kind of stuck there. So the thing that we realized though is that, sure, we cannot, it, if, we, if we take the query and the repository and the change set and the schema, which is like, it's the four pillars that we have in Acto. Those are the four main things. And if we put those in separate applications, it's going to be a hell to maintain because they are coupled, right? One depends on the other to exist, right? And that's, that's by design, that's on purpose. Uh, and then it would be hard to use, everything's scattered around. But we realized so that we could actually just keep those four things together and move everything else uh, elsewhere. 
So we are going to break it in a way we are going to have the actor repository and you're going to have actor SQL. So the adapters, like the SQL adapters, they're no longer going to be part of Acto. Uh, the migrations, they're no longer going to be part of Acto. So when you say I want to depend on Acto, you're going to bring a much smaller core and, um, and everything else is going to be in Acto SQL. So this means that applications, they're going to kind of have a breaking change is that they now they need to depend on Acto SQL instead of Acto, but that's like one line of code change. So you know, the, the changes that we have in mind, like it avoids a major version, right? We are removing deprecated code. The other one, it's a one line fix. So, and I think that um, that's, it's really nice. And there is also something that's completely internal and like 99% of the users, they're not going to notice is that we have this project called DB Connection, which is how we talk to the databases. And it support like different pools, like pool boys, sojourn pools, different strategy, strategies for handling the connection pool. And we are getting rid of those strategies in terms of a built-in pool that is more efficient than all the other ones, performs better, has, you know, and it's going to be also easier for the code to maintain because now you're not writing something that needs to work with four or five different things. You kind of got the best of everything and you're having a single pool. And by we, I mean like, plus James Fish, he's the one that being like, doing the work on the big connections uh, since the beginning and envisioning all this stuff. So that's really exciting as well. So uh, is the, the pool work, is, is that gonna be its own project or in, it, that's all internal you said? So that pool won't be available for other uses. Yeah, so the DB connection, it's already a separate project anybody can use and we are just removing the support uh, to other pools in its version 2.0. So we are streamlining a couple things uh, we are removing a ton of code as well, so, um, yeah. So now you don't have to actually support, um, <clears throat> you know, Pullboy and Sojourn and all these things. You just support the one, the one thing, which is which is nice. Yes. Um, so this actually that actually leads me into like thinking about something. Um, so you're talking about like this is a thing that like gets requested a lot is like hey, can you break Ecto into its constituent pieces? And so I can use, like, if I just want change sets, I just want to use change sets or whatever. Like, maybe I have change sets. I like that abstraction around managing change to data, and I want to use that. Um, and, and we talked about this earlier, too, of, of this idea that, like, uh, the community, in, in to your mind, um, should kind of embrace this idea that, like, if you need something or if you need to extend the language or you need a library or whatever, like build it, you're empowered to build it and we give you the tools to go build it. And like the ideal situation is that you build it. Um, so with those two things, like as like context, um, how do you, what's the process by which that y'all like take feedback from the community and decide like, yeah, this is a thing that we need to do. Like I met, like you're saying, you know, breaking up Ecto is like a lot of work and it's, and, and, you know, now you've got to pull in these different pieces that you need. So there is like an overhead to learning about that. How do you parse, um, how do you process like, or, or triage issues and, and requests in that kind of way um, versus saying like, hey, you know, y'all figure it out. Like, I'm not even saying that like, this is like the wrong decision to make. I'm yeah. just curious as to how that thought process goes yeah. for you. I'm going to delegate it to Chris McCord, <laughs> but uh, I'll just do a, a very short observation is that, uh, for example, making those decisions for Ecto, it's very different uh, 
compared to making those decisions for Elixir, right? As they should mm-hmm. be. So, mm-hmm. so as we were saying, like for Elixir, so to me, Elixir is more about enabling rather than providing. And then when you get something like Ecto, uh, it's more balanced, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, we would definitely want to enable because if we can't enable people to solve certain things, uh, that can be really problematic. Uh, but we need to be able to provide as well because people, they want to use Acto, the developers, they want to use Acto and be able to achieve a lot with it without having to bring a bunch of other external stuff while we right. don't have the expectation uh, for Elixir. Well, I'm fine, like, you know, oh, I'm going to build a web application. Yes, run PHX new and brings its new stuff. I'm going to run, I'm going to build a distributed system on nerves, right? So <laughs> it brings what it has to bring and we don't, we don't have to. Mm-hmm. What about you, Chris? Yeah, so the uh, easy answer is like uh, priority-wise, like one is I take the selfish approach first. So like if it's something that I need that I think other people would need, then it gets higher priority in being accepted. Um, if it's something like if I'm working on a client project and over and over again, I'm running into a specific use case that isn't solved well, that's an easy uh, way to add a feature. Um, but I think it goes the other way where um, people have legitimate issues or feature requests that like they need a problem solved or they, they think they need a problem solved by us, not by them. Um, and if it's the first time we're hearing about it in three years, uh, then I say, well, this is the first time this has come up. Um, so I would, so I prefer to wait, uh, based on like, is this a common occurrence? Uh, Cause like the whole framework debate versus library, like we don't want to, we, we say we're batteries included, but that doesn't mean we add everything that could be solved. So if it's a common occurrence where it keeps coming up over and over again, like one example is, um, they actually just answered this on Slack, uh, like an hour ago, like getting the IP address of a, uh, channel socket, like whether they're coming over web sockets or long polling. Um, you can't do that today, and uh, we specifically punted on that for uh, for valid reasons. But it comes up over and over and over, and we're finally said, okay, like you know, enough people need this, uh, let's implement it. Uh, so I think, yeah, that, that was supposed to be a short answer, but it's based off like, does this make my life better, um, or does do enough people need this that I think the framework should solve it? Uh, but the biggest, the biggest, re- the biggest reasoning around all this comes back to being selfish. Is like. Am I okay maintaining this for the rest of you know my life? Right. So it's like mm-hmm. even if I think it's a good idea and I think we should solve it, like I have to be the one um, to like own it. You know, the core team has to be the one to own it and maintain it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a line there with like where what Jose was saying, like uh, there is a line there where I think we want to allow people. We want to be extensible from a framework level and from the language level, and say like if you need this, go ahead and implement it. Uh, that's why like you know we're building on top of plug. So I think there's definitely something to be said about um, having the right level of batteries included, but giving people the escape escape hatch to do what they need, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because we can't own everything, and uh, at the end of the day, we have to have a life as well. I fo- yeah. I would also say that uh, I don't want people to get the impressions that if they ask enough, we are going to do things. <laughs> so <Right>. there are <laughs> things that the people, right, yeah, but there are things that people, they ask, right, and they have been asking for a lot of time, or you just say, like, no, not happening, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, that also happens, so, um, yeah. Yeah, how do you do, that was my follow-up question, is like, how do you decide to say no to a thing that a lot of people are asking for, because you know that either it's just, you know, not a great idea, or it's going to be unmaintainable, or like, you're going to have to own like this massive burden now, like, how do you how do you say no to that stuff? And how do you sort of redirect? I have into, a, like, a very, positive way? 
easy <laughs> mantra, which is it's always easy to add, but it's impossible to remove. So, yeah. um, dang if... it, that was going to be my line, but I was going <laughs> to say a, a wise, a wise person once told me in that. Yeah. So there's a, think that into my head early on, fortunately. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so if I have like, if I'm not a hundred percent sure, I'm like not happening because it can always, uh, do later. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially, and go back exactly to this enable and providing discussion, especially if there are other ways, right? Like, so if people, so, so usually like you go and say like, no, there's like this way of doing this problem. Like, can we have it as part of the language as, as, as part of, as, as part of the framework? Then I'm usually like, no, you already can do it. Right. Like, why mm -hmm. are you upset about having tried like 10 lines of code? Mm -hmm. Right. And, right. Yeah. and having, and, and, and again, it goes back to, you know, are people really needing that thing that much to justify and that frequently, right? To justify adding it. So mm -hmm. if I'm not 100% sure, it's usually like no, because uh, the no is always easy to revert. The yes is a nightmare. Right. That makes right. sense. What do you think it is that drives people to want to put stuff into the core language or into Phoenix or in, you know, into these sorts of like kind of, you know, core tools like why does that feel more acceptable than let's say like writing a library and bringing in a library like is that a mentality thing or like is it you know what why do y'all think that is it's easier to sort of say like well this is blessed by the these smart people who i already am trusting like you know so i don't i feel better about it that way or something like that like i don't know <laughs> or is it like let's ask if they'll do it and then somebody else doesn't have to go and like Right, like I don't know how to do this, so I need I yeah, need this. So I yeah, yeah I, I think it's more of a like. So one is the contributing, just the experience of contributing, right? And we try to be very welcoming, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think so. It's even a good thing, right? That uh, people they feel like they can come and they can contribute, and they do, and they do that, right? They come, they contribute, they help improve things, and also, uh, and sometimes it's it is a perspective of you know like. I, I really think this could be useful for others. And, you know, it's, it's, and in truth, it's hard to measure, right? So uh, it's like we were saying as time, some, some, some of those things we need to trust on our, on our gut feeling, or we need to trust like on our experiences from what we have heard from other people. But I think it's, it's actually a more general thing of wanting to improve things, seeing it can help others, or want to be part of the community in mm -hmm. different ways, right? With code contributions. Um, I, I would I would think that it's more like in this direction of being something more, more noble and engaging. Mm -hmm. And then I had to follow up a little bit. Like, how do you all parse? Because there's a lot of many different opinions, even when there are requests being made about how things need to go. Like going back a couple of weeks to the config discussion that we had, right? Like, how do you parse when you're hearing so much from the community about different perspectives about what should be done? Um, how do you parse that and take away like what what is useful to you or i guess my question is how could that conversation be had in a more constructive way so that the feedback is actually more useful to the people that are implementing these projects mm, that's a very good question any any takers <laughs> and i don't know maybe that's just a question i don't know if there's a right or wrong i was just curious yeah, I don't have any constructive thoughts here. <laughs> what are your unconstructive thoughts? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, what, what should I say? Um, 
I feel like, and this is just, this isn't like the community in general, but I do feel like it's having, if there are a lot of heated opinions, it's basically never a productive discussion mm -hmm. um, because everyone um, just piles on with, well, what about my opinion? Mm -hmm. And it becomes a discussion uh, around people's different opinions and not like how to move forward. Um, but I, I will say one thing with, I mean, the config discussion is one example of this that, um, this is some other wisdom that Jose instilled on me early that I think a lot of people miss uh, with any kind of decision, um, like with the config, like people look at the state of things today and if there are deficiencies, like we have legitimate issues with configuration in certain cases, um, no one sees the thought process in the decision-making that led to all these, the current state of things. And there are valid reasons why things are the way that they are. Um, and then kind of as a maintainer, you get to just deal with people saying, well, you know, this is crap or this doesn't work what you made a bad decision. It's like, well, you didn't see the hundred decisions in the 20 hours of thinking about this and the reasons why we, things are the way they are for valid reasons. It's like, yes, there may be trade-offs, but like we, we actually thought about these trade-offs. It wasn't that we just dreamt up, this is the way it should be and we're thinking about the design. So I do think missing from this, uh, opinions discussion is like, I think kind of appreciating that there were reasons and decisions made that people are, uh, didn't really have the context to when they're just looking at it from, from the top down. Yeah. If you want to go into a new section called things that make Jose angry, <laughs> that would, that would be one I of those. I want to do this so much. <laughs> right. Because it's, um, it's exactly, I, in a way I feel it's, so there are two things, right? So one, I personally feel it's in a way it's disrespectful when it's implied that decision was taken just for copying. For example, sometimes you see, oh, they just copied this, right? But the other thing is that would you use a language or a library where most of the decisions they are taken because they are copying other things? Like, I know I wouldn't, right? Because uh, what you're going to get through the end of it, from at the end of it, right? So. Uh, so usually those are one of the things that um, kind of like make me a little bit angry uh, because of, of those things. But for example, in the config discussion, um, it, so I think it was, even though it was really long, it was, for me personally, it was a productive discussion. I have like complaints of the way it happened, but they are not complaints. So for example, like uh, some of the arguments I had to uh, rehash them over and over again. But it's because the discussion is long, right? And then nobody's going to read everything that, you know, <laughs> nobody's going to read everything that was said, right, before giving a comment. So, so and then it, this is like, then it goes on this loop, right? Because then people did not read, read back and then mm -hmm. I, I have to repeat some of the points, some of the decisions that were taken and then it grows even more and then it goes on forever, right? So. Uh, maybe there, we should have a, a way of like, you know, having like bursts of discussions like, oh, it's three days and then we close and then there is a summary of the points and then we start again, um, try to figure out. And even for like three days, it's going to be short. So because some people, they are like, they're going to be like upset uh, because it's short. Uh, uh, people have work, they have family, they have a thousand other things to do and, you know, and so this is an improvement we could do, right? Maybe another improvement is that we just let people talk and discuss, 
right? Uh, yeah. And for a week, and then we come and we sum up. And but that can be a little bit. Uh, it can it can be hard because people they can go immediately in the wrong direction. They are hundred percent sure it's not going to work, right? And then if you let that thing happen for a week, right? What you're going to do like a week later? You just say, hey, everybody, like that thing is totally not working because of this fundamental flaw that uh, it went unnoticed. So yeah, it, it's. It's a little bit hard, but I think like as the proposals, they get more. So I think like that was a very early on proposal on a very uh, complex topic. So when we do another proposal, we are going to have a rationale over the things and maybe we can focus the discussion a little bit better. And one of the things that I like to say is that like we, so to me, it's very important for us to agree on the trade-offs that exist. We don't need to necessarily agree on how much weight we put on those things. Right. But we need to agree that like those are the trade offs. Right. And it's fine. Like maybe I'm going to value some things with 80 percent and you're going to give it like 10 percent importance. But to me, it's important that people just like those are the trade offs that we did and the decisions we take. And I think it goes back to something that we were talking at the very beginning. Right. Like how we make why like uh, almost he was saying, like, you know, it's really nice that you go for the thought process. And the reason why it's important is because we want every we want this thing to amplify. Right. We want like. We want like everybody here to understand the thought process of something because you're going to tell your coworkers and your coworkers are going to tell other people. And, and this is very re rewarding when it happens, uh, it, especially at the very beginning of the language when, you know, when uh, people were doing learning and other people would come and they would be able to explain all of the rationales, all the design decisions. It was really, really nice because you could see like, oh, all this effort we did in documenting the whys um, it really paid off because now uh, other people are saying it too. Yeah, I was just gonna add that uh, I don't. I think that we. It's hard to improve at least people trying to appreciate the thought process that led to an outcome. Uh, just because like we're Jose and I, I think everyone's guilty of it, even on like their own code. Like so, like, even like yesterday, Jose and I were talking about uh, Ecto uh, optimistic blocks, and it raises an exception. Um, so Jose called me to talk about that and it was he, he pre uh he preempted discussion with oh this is terrible let's make it better so i came into the discussion thinking oh yeah this is bad raising exceptions bad um but then after we talked through and like we talked through the reason why things are the way that they are and why raising made sense it actually like shed light on like oh we have, there actually was a valid reason to do this so it's like even features that we've implemented um, initially, like you forget why, and you think like, so. Even like things that we wrote, it's like, oh, this is bad, and then you actually try to remember and think like, oh, this is why it is. Like so, I, it's, so it's like if we can even do that 100% on our our own decision making, it's very hard for other people to come in that maybe aren't contributors uh, or have never looked at the library source to then try to um, appreciate you know the decision making process. So I don't know how you improve that, but I think if people at least try to take maybe the benefit of the doubt uh, starting out. And then working from there instead of just looking at it and saying this is this is yeah bad. no that makes sense i mean i think that i forget who said it um i remember hearing somebody it might have been sarah may or somebody in the ruby community a while ago but like in a talk that's like maybe assume that everyone's making the best decisions they can at the time yes um and actually that's so one that's actually a really interesting thought because one of the, the weird things about being like suddenly being an open source contributor with people using things that you wrote um i always like 
this, there's a whole topic on imposter syndrome that maybe you can come in, have on a future episode with me, but <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts here. But one is, um, I, I expected, like, everyone that you look to as authority figure, like, I expected they, everyone has it figured out. And then you find yourself in a position of authority, and you're like, wow, I don't know anything. Uh, and then you I kind of realize and internalize, like, oh, it turns out, like, uh, all the experts are just people doing, uh, making the best decision that they can at the time. And that's all, all anything in the world is. Um, so <laughs> that's interesting true. seeing it from the other side <laughs> and also daunting. And I, I think it's important, you know, when, when these discussions get long and maybe people are saying the same thing because they didn't notice it w before or they're putting their opinions in there. They're or also read, doing the best know. they can at the same same time with the information they have. So they... And the fact that they're putting their opinions out there means that they care about the language and the community, uh, e even if sometimes they they might come across as not seeing what's going on or um, even coming across as like attacking. I think that they're they're caring and, and doing the best they can with what they have. Yes, I agree with you, Amos. I do I do think that there are sometimes ways that I mean this is my personal opinion, but. Even if you disagree, that information can be conveyed in a way that is not necessarily attacking. Like I don't know that that's always necessary, but oh yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um, what are you? What are you both? There's so much. I mean, I am such a fan and have been having such a great experience the past couple of years working with Elixir uh, and Phoenix. And as you know, with the stuff that you're working on, and as you know, the maintainers and creators, and you're looking to the future. Kind of, what are you? I guess maybe it's hard to pick one, but what things are you most excited about? Um, I mean, I'm looking ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's actually one of the things that I'll be talking about in... So we were saying at the beginning about Elixir Conf and that I'm preparing for the talk. Mm -hmm. So that's actually one of the things that I'll be talking about. Like last, okay. last year... So last year we had Elixir Conf in, in the same place in, in Bellevue. Mm -hmm. And my talk was mostly looking... So at the time my talk happened, I have been decided to work on Elixir and make it a thing for five years and a half. So it mm -hmm. was more like looking back into everything, into our goals as a programming mm -hmm. language mm -hmm. and, uh, and thinking like where we got on and kind of reevaluate our goals because at the beginning, so when, at the very beginning, I've, I like, I've outlined three goals for Elixir. And if you ever saw a presentation from me from Elixir, mm -hmm. I yep. talked about those things, right? <laughs> It's productivity, which is basically tooling, uh, productive experiences, development, and so on. It's accessibility. So we talked already a little bit about accessibility, getting the language extended to different domains. And compatibility, which is basically being compatible for the, the LNVM uh, mm -hmm. and OTP and everything it provides. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, like those goals, they're not useful to us anymore because like we're already extensible. We're not like it, it was achieved, right? Like mission, mission accomplished. Uh, the same mm -hmm. thing with compatibility, we're already compatible. Sure, there's a new OTP release, we have to do some work. So it's so now it's kind of like looking at the what is, you know, so I guess this year my talk will be about the next five years, mm -hmm. right? So if, if okay. it was the five years back, my, my talk's going to be about the five years ahead. And, mm -hmm. and trying to, as we were saying, like there's some expectations of people want from Elixir and try to get everybody on the same page. Those they're written, like it's information available today, but I think like being able to have a, a, a talk and explain some point of views in a different mm -hmm. way that you get from text totally. 
uh, can be really can be really helpful as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, so you know what to look uh, in the future. I think that's going to be our exploration. And there are things that you know. And for Elixir, uh, the hint is that you know we want the language to be small, so that's where we're going. But there are a bunch of other things that I would like to to explore, right? And just mm -hmm. uh, and some of it like it's personal, like or prof professional curiosity. So one of those I'm doing now, as I said, with the Google Summer of Code project, I'm getting to learn a little bit more about machine learning and how this uh, stuff work. Some of it's happening with FireNest right now, the, all the work that mm -hmm. we are doing. So some of it's happening now. Um, I'm also very interested in uh, techniques for software verification. And this goes for everything, right? Like everything that we do to make sure that our software works uh, the way we expect and it goes from like code reveals formatter tests property-based tests uh, type systems and other ways of formal verification this is an area that i have a lot of interest and things are always improving there so it's very mm -hmm. it's a very fascinating area and hopefully i'll have more time to explore it in the future too but uh, yeah. those are like things on top of my head cool yeah um. Chris, did you want to share any if, thoughts as yeah. well? Or? Yeah, for me, just I mentioned FireNest, but my biggest area of interest would be just distributed systems in general and making that uh, a, uh, not having to be a distributed systems expert to take advantage of the platform. But to me, I think that that's what sets us apart from, I think, the vast majority of um, other languages right now. It's like our uh, currency distribution story and the more tools that we can put in the hands and empower people to make use of them, I think like presence is one example. Like being able to solve that problem, um, like being able to, I mean, like the underpinnings of that are incredibly challenging. But if like enabling that, you know, where you have like four lines of code on the server and suddenly like you're not even thinking about um, these different nodes and what happens if they go away, um, the more problems that we can solve and empower people to solve them uh, in a distributed system, I think the more that will start to eat the world. And I think, you know, Chris Keithley with his uh, raft exploration is, is really exciting as well. So I think, you know, not just FireNest, but just the greater distributed system tooling in general, um, to me is the most exciting because I think that, um, I think that's gonna be one of the things that lets us eat the world. Because if you look at like, you know, it's not, it's not like, there's not gonna be one, one, one winner takes all, but like, if you look at other platforms, and like what it would take to implement any kind of um, distributed system story, it's uh, it'd be a daunting task if we were coming at this from uh, a different language. So for me, like it's the most exciting part of the uh, VM and the language, and it's uh, enabled by it, not like uh, having to you know uh, bootstrap my my own. Um, like if you look at like, Scala and, and Java, like there's some not Scala, I'm sorry, Akka. Uh, you're looking at like what it takes to bootstrap distributed system tooling in other platforms. It's a daunting task. So for me, that's the most exciting aspect of of what's uh, available totally. today. And what about you? So what are you planning for the future and looking forward to in general? Uh, are you asking uh, me or the rest of the... <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like, what did I just say? <laughs> Is that exciting enough? No, that's awesome. I mean, um, I personally, I kind of agree with Chris. I have a big interest in um, distributed systems um, and diving more into that um, from like a personal level of interest in code and professional level. Um, and then as far as like Elixir Bridge, we've been around for a couple of years. 
and we have a workshop coming up actually in San Francisco next week or in a week and a half, um, but trying to, trying to grow that and trying to make that even more accessible. There are folks in other parts of the country that have been interested in having more workshops. Um, and so for me, as much as I like, am personally like, want to keep working and I'm interested in language, but also helping, putting a big effort into growing the community and helping bring in more underrepresented folks um, and trying to grow that organization, something I'm really excited about for the next, next couple of years. That's awesome. I think for me, it, it's, it's um, uh, I, I am also obviously like really interested in the distributed system stuff. Like I've been working on that. I do that now as like a big part of my job. Um, <clears throat> there's a whole another conversation. I like, I don't even know if we have time for this, just because there's a whole another conversation I want to have about, do you, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I might be slightly less optimistic that we can, um, that, that we can just like provide solutions that, that anyone can kind of pick up like in, and not have to be um, a, a semi, at least like semi expert in for this stuff. Cause I think these things are really hard. And the, 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 the big thing that I end up seeing, um, like the thing that I see having done the RAF stuff is like people want the guarantees of that, but aren't willing to accept what it takes to get there. So like they want half of raft, which is like, you know, some cell small subset of the functionality. Like they might just want a piece of it, but they don't want, like they want leader election, but they don't want durable storage. It's like, well, that's not, that's, you've missed the fundamental point of like why you had this in the first place. Like, where they're like, I want this, but I want to change these five things about it. And it's no big deal. Right. Like it should just work out. And it's like, well, I mean, if you want to write the TLA proof for that, like go for it, I'm not going to do that. Um, but this one's proven to work. So like, um, like how I, I'm interested to know, like to, to see like what, what your feelings about that are because my feelings is like the people most the majority of people doing elixir right now are very concerned about doing uh, like app development right like they're they're building apps like by and large like we see very little like infrastructure tooling like coming out of like the elixir world like there is some of that in the erlang world but like there's less people building like an etcd clone in elixir if that makes sense right like the, there's less of that and there's a lot of like app application development and i think it's i i, I wonder like to the degree that we're ever gonna be able to like teach uh all application developers like these these the subtleties of like distributed systems and then have them apply that in their in their applications um or you know so i'm curious to see like what your take on um we don't this, this, this might need to be we might need to have this a huge it's a really fair point point in in my uh talk at elixir comp you like my goals are like uh around this point is you can't like we can't defy the laws of physics like we can't just say like distributed systems are trivial now you don't have to think about them so m my goal is if you can answer the guarantees that you want so like there has to be some subset of guarantees that you have to be aware of and if you can answer the guarantees that you want then you should be enabled to um it should be trivial to accomplish that and trivial in that you still have to understand the guarantees and the trade-offs you want but if you can answer those questions, then there should be um, a, uh, a easy way to get there versus um, mm -hmm. like what it is today where you're like, well, go study this paper and maybe pick off the pick up this library. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, uh, so there's that from that aspect, you still have to understand the guarantees you want. Mm -hmm. And then 
we can do things like if you look at presence, like that's a thinly veiled, uh, the guarantees are decided for you in that we attack, we attack the use case with presence in that um, you have a list of users who are online and that doesn't need to be updating every millisecond, right? So by default, if you're, if who's in the chat room happens to update every three seconds, depending on what node they joined, that would be totally mm -hmm. fine. So there are some things we can solve. Uh, like Jose mentioned, the, um, the rate limiter, for example, there's some built-in um, guarantees there that we've decided for you for that use case and that uh, if your rate limit, it diverges, it's not 100% consistent um, second to second, that's fine. So I think that we can solve a subset of problems uh, answering the guarantees for people based on the use case. And otherwise, we should make it uh, as easy as possible if they can answer what guarantees they need, mm -hmm. is my answer. I, but I, I agree, Chris. It's not going to be... It's not going to be we release Fire Nest and then the next day um, we write applications uh, differently. Yeah, you know, I think totally. SQL databases are great and uh, there there's something to be said about just uh, putting data in the database. And and if people have different choices and trade offs they want to make, they can pick a different raft implementation, right? But that's yeah. always that's always going to be you the had, case, right? You had like, different choices you wanted to make in your raft, so. Yeah, and they do in my experience. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think it's like so. Like so, Chris was talking about like application developers, and but most people they should not have to care about this. It's like it's the same with OTP. Like, in a way, so people. So we had those discussions like. Oh, people are coming to Phoenix and they don't know about OTP. And then I'm like, that's like, you know, a huge part of the point of having Phoenix, right? So I can focus about this stuff and then, and, and Phoenix solves all this mm -hmm. for me. And in, in presence is doing that for distributed systems. Like, Hey, we took those decisions for you. They are going to be valid in 95% of the cases. Here's what you need to understand about this. And uh, it works like that for other people. So it, it was the same idea. Like we explained the trade-offs. And um, so to me, so I, I am more aligned uh, with what Chris McCord said in the sense that, and we had this mm -hmm. discussion in the forum uh, not, uh, not long ago. And you were there, Chris Kifley, as well. So like, I'm not bothered at all that mm -hmm. we don't have people doing a lot of infrastructure work. Because if you're talking about infrastructure, then to me, I really don't care like how that infrastructure is written, <laughs> uh, and you know, right. so uh, so even like when people ask me like, oh no, we actually need you know we need consistency, mm -hmm. and and then like ch like just put in the database and right like oh and unless you're going to have an issue, have that thing as being your source of truth and call it a day, so. Uh, to me, what makes mm -hmm. me excited about all of this, and it has its drawbacks as well, but it's exactly like the fact that we can create smaller solutions where nobody else can and specialized solutions that solves one problem well, presence being a fantastic example of, of this. And, you mm -hmm. know, I would rather support, so I would rather support idioms or tools that make our everyday with Elixir more pleasant than tools that make somebody that never used Elixir but be be able to use them, which is what you get with like with Zookeeper, right? Like I can deploy Zookeeper 
and I may not write, have written a line of Java, right? So it's a tool for other developers to use, which I mean, it's like, it's great. It's absolutely fantastic if we had those tools written, but I don't, I don't lose sleep over it because to me, it, to, to a point, like, it's not what would, you know, like, in, it's not what's going to make us different, you know, to me, if we have something like Zookeeper or something that is like a Pash Kafka that people say, oh, we should have, right? It's just another tool and I can use those things separately. I really want the things that I can embed, it, embed in my development experience and use that. For me, that's where we, that's where we can make a difference. And, and, then, and then sure, like how to get there is going to be really, really hard. Uh, but um, to me, that's where we can make a difference, yeah. And I, I, that's kind of going off of that. That's what I, I like about being in, involved with the Elixir community and seeing everything that's going on is, is I think, you know, we're talking about distributed systems. Everybody brought that up. And I, it, I think it's putting things in people's minds that they're thinking about and learning more about just because of what's going on in the community. Uh, and, and I think that that's really important, especially with the way the world's going and, and all these servers talking to each other. And then, um, one other thing that I really like and I'm looking forward to is uh, the stream data property testing and the stateful testing stuff that has been being talked about. Uh, I, I really am looking forward to seeing where that's going. And um, I know that there's been talk back and forth with it possibly ending up in, in core. I'm not real sure where that stands right now, but I think that being in core would be amazing to bring more people to that conversation and more people to say hey maybe i should be looking at this type of testing and and i really like that um yeah regarding so regarding the property-based testing we 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 have a, a couple more of back and forth on that um you know if it should be on core because so so one of the things that, um, so the main reason, like there's nothing in string data, like string data is a separate library and everything you can do with string data, you can do as a library, right? And the main reason for us to have it in core would be to have more people actually doing it and kind of embracing it as a way that we write software. But it happens that just the fact that we started talking about it, like mm -hmm. the Elixir team and other members of the community like it already caused like a, a reaction, like a positive reaction that now more people are talking about it. So like, I think right. I was looking at these speakers for Elixir conference. I think mm -hmm. I'm going to have like three or four <clears throat> talks about property-based testing where last year's, if we had one, it would be many. And it was like, which was really appreciated to like Thomas Arts from Cubic, right? Which is like probably top three or top five in terms of like <laughs> top two even in terms of like property-based testing in the world, talking about it. But now we have a lot of people talking about it. So in a way it's like mission accomplished as well, I guess. Like, you know, like everybody's talking about it. So that's what we wanted. So we are happy. And then, uh, and then you said like mm -hmm. now, and then maybe we got enough attention from people to think about how to design the, the stateful, the model-based uh, properties as well, because that is hard. Uh, and mm -hmm. to me, it's like, it has, like, so in my mind, I think like this thing has to be easier uh, in the sense that, uh, or simpler or a combination of both. Um, 
right? Because, and then hopefully we have like now more people thinking about it and they can uh, try different ideas because I don't think, I don't think you're going to, to get it right the first time as well. So, mm -hmm. um, so I know that we've, we've got to wrap up here pretty soon. I wanted to ask y'all one more thing um, before, before we do that. Um, uh, but it's just, so obviously like y'all are both busy, you're working on open source stuff. You like, you've got, uh, there are, you know, a slew of, of questions about the formatter and opinions and just all these kinds of things you have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, so, uh, my question is if you could just sort of magically will into existence, like one thing in the Elixir community, like a thing that you feel like is missing or a thing that you like, you would love if somebody would go contribute, um, what, what would that thing be? Like, if you could just have a thing out there in the world, like what's the, what's like the big thing that you feel like, you know, you're missing or like the community is missing or like an opportunity that we should be taking advantage of. Somebody can go contribute. Chris, <laughs> you want to start? That's an excellent question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the selfish answer would be like uh, all the problems that I don't want to solve, but I want. Um, but I think we're actually pretty close. So like a year ago, I would have said like durable pub sub, um, which is still unsolved, and I still would love to solve it. Um, but I think. Uh, that's my joke answer. I don't know. I think we do a, a good job and I'm trying to think of something that is super like lacking day to day. Um, I mean, the, the deployment story um, would be one, but that's, I mean, that's being worked on. That remains mm. to be uh, as pleasant or close to pleasant as it could be. So I'd say mm. like from a community perspective, uh, if we could say like, boom, deployment solved, um, you know, I know, you know, like, we have got Paul working towards that. We have various people working on that problem, but I would love to say like, you know, boom, deployment solved. Uh, that way from a client perspective or people coming into the community, uh, we could just, that could be a uh, non-issue or a question that's not even asked because I think that still remains a, a blocker for, for both newcomers and for, for clients. Yeah, I would go with um, the machine learning stuff. So that's something that we, we have mm -hmm. this Google Sum of Code, but the Google Sum of Code, it's really just an initial step and it's really just about TensorFlow. And uh, the landscape is, uh, mm -hmm. it's very dynamic. There's a lot of things happening. So, so going like, and I'm like uh, going straight to your answer, like a, a issue that other people will solve and the community will solve and get together and do this. So that would be, that would definitely be my vote because uh, it's definitely part of our future uh, as, you know, as developers, as engineers, it's going to be, we're going to start to rely on those things more and more. And, um, and you know, there's a lot of work to do. And, and so, and I said about the Google Storm of Code, but there is also other libraries. So people that are coming up with like, so like matrices, being, having like good libraries to work with matrices, is ex it's fundamental to solve this kind of problems. Uh, and we are starting to see some people doing that uh, mm -hmm. already. So, but that would be nice, right? Like uh, when you look at Python, the way that everybody was able like to work together and create like a a group of a, a organization, a group of people, many different things that they are working towards like this common goal, and they continue improving. It's uh, it's you know it's really great mm -hmm. to look at that and having some work in this direction happening here. 
still be fantastic. More work, more people involved and contributing and using. Cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hopefully people can uh, maybe take some of those ideas and try to get involved that way too. Um, start contributing and building and building new things because I think um, it's an exciting time to be building new things. Uh, you know, the, the language is still youngish. Um, so it's nice to, it's like, it's a good time. You can try something new yeah, and it can really. stick, which is cool. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for, oh, go ahead, Anna. You, 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 you lead us out. No, I was going to say thank yeah, you both for your time. Um, that yeah. Was... And don't, don't, uh, don't forget to get a ticket to ElixirConf and, and, uh, go, oh, yeah. go hear, uh, these guys talk there. Um, also, while we're making shameless <laughs> plugs, uh, I'll go ahead and plug uh, Gig City again, uh, which because I got to rep my, my hometown, which, Chris, awesome. you're going to be at, right? And everybody except for Jose <laughs> on this podcast. Ooh. So <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Although Jose might have a slightly longer flight to get there than anybody else, too. So Let's do this. I'll go... If you all go by car, I'm. I think I'm driving. So, really, <laughs> like how? How? Sweet. I'm definitely driving. <laughs> I'm, I'm right in the middle. Uh, if Chris McCord, do you just want to pick me up as you go through? We'll, we'll, we'll roll. I think it's like yeah. It's, I don't. It's gonna be like less than six oh, hours. No problem. All right. Oh wait, I thought you were in. I thought you were in like San Francisco area, so maybe I'm wrong. No, I'm in uh, North Carolina. Oh, well, I'm the wrong direction. Never mind. I'll just. <laughs> That'd be a long drive. I'm in Mis I'm in Missouri, so. Cool. cool. All right. Well, everybody have a great right. day. You yeah, too. Bye. Have a great day, Bye. 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 Bye.